Fundraising everywhere. 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 You need to add me in there. Welcome to the Fundraising Everywhere podcast. Over the next few episodes, we're taking a look at some of our favorite events fundraising on-demand sessions in celebration of our events fundraising virtual summit on the 31st of January. If you'd like to join us at the conference, you can use the promo code FEPODCAST to get 50% off. Yep, just head to our website and pop in FEPODCAST at checkout to get 50% off the events fundraising virtual summit in January. Enjoy today's session. Hello, folks. Um, just before we kick off with uh, with this, this session, I thought it'd be good just to sort of flag. The topic is an incredibly complex one. Um, so we've 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 chosen to sort of talk you through a number of different case studies, which I hope will give you a number of key learnings that you'll be able to take away from this to be able to enhance your your events programs. Um, but first of all, yeah, my name's Alf. Um, I'm a business director at Media Lab. Um, I've worked in the charity sector for my entire career. I began as a, a face-to-face fundraiser um, it, it, when I was at university. And then since then, I've, I've had in-house roles at, at Friends of the Earth and also at, at Shelter. And I spent the last seven years specialising uh, in media at, at Media Lab with, uh, with, with charities. Um, so a bit of a background on who we are. We're an independently owned media agency. We're full service, which means we work across broadcast, print and digital. We're incredibly nerdy about numbers, data, spreadsheets. We're quite into all that sort of stuff. Um, and ultimately, we're, we're successful um, because we, we always try and do the right thing for our clients. We act with integrity. Um, and that sometimes even recommend means recommending not using paid media to be able to meet people's objectives. Um Bit of an overview of kind of all the different organisations that we, we we work with, but fifty percent of our business is working within the charity sector. So we have about thirty one of the largest charities in the in the UK on our books at the moment. And I'll hand you over to uh, Jessie to introduce herself. Thanks, Alf. Um, so yeah, I'm Jessie. I use the pronouns she/her, um, and I'm an events marketing campaign manager here at Alzheimer's Society. So for those who may not have heard of us, hopefully you have. Um, we are the largest dementia charity in the UK um, and the only dementia charity to provide help and hope to people affected by dementia. So by 2025 we're expecting that around 1 million people in the UK will be living with the condition but we know that dementia touches the lives of many millions of others including carers, partners, families and friends. Um, But we are here today to talk about our events programme and our events programme at Alzheimer's Society is a key enabler to all of our activity. Last year alone, we had over 25 events campaigns live, all run, of course, with Media Lab. Um, Our support services, research, campaigning and influencing are here to make sure that there is a brighter future ahead for everyone affected by dementia. And we know that we need to work harder, listen to our audience and adapt our approach to make events make that happen for us. So hopefully some of the learnings and insight that we'll be going through today um, as part of our flagship campaigns, including Trek 26, will help you think a little bit more strategically about your events, get under the skin of your supporters and think really honestly and creatively about your approach to your events programme to help you stand out amongst the crowd. Cheers, Jesse. 
So I wanted to start this off by giving you a bit of an oversight on the events market. It probably won't come to as a massive shock to, to most people that events have been a real challenge since COVID-19. Things have certainly picked up from having absolutely no events, but things haven't returned to quite where they were before. And this is a bit of a selection of um, various different um, events, pretty recognisable to most people here, looking at the, the spend uh, for each of them and also kind of how many people are really kind of making searches and looking for them. And even though people have invested considerable amounts of money into the events market, there hasn't been a silver bullet that's kind of really improved things drastically. But there's definitely a feeling that the tide is turning. Um, during the pandemic, I think that was a really interesting time to be able to see how people responded to, to that and how people have been able to create new things, be really innovative um, and help develop their, their programs and, and maintain income streams. And I'll, talk, I'll hand you over to Jesse just to talk through um, what Alzheimer's Society does. So obviously charities have been hit by a pandemic and now a cost of living crisis. Um, I don't know about anyone else, but during the pandemic, the word was pivot. I heard this nearing on thousands of times all of which I had Ross Geller from Friends' Voice in my head saying the word pivot. Um, so there were whiteboards everywhere which were covered in post-it notes just like this one that you can see. Um, but we've kind of seen how far pivoting can take us. But I think we all need to get back to the fundamentals here, which is listening and responding to our audience. And after a considerable number of sessions where we, we did a lot of these virtual post-it note sessions um, we, we land on a few different ideas with Alzheimer's Society to create some virtual events and the first one of those was step up for dementia which is to do 900,000 steps in three months um, it, it was the idea was conceived uh, and then it was launched and live within about 48 hours and Alzheimer's Society really kind of led the way in being innovative and acting quite quickly and as a result really benefited from that what I really love about all of these events that, that eventually were created in those coming months is that in the title, they were really clear, they were very simple. And most importantly, you can explain um, what, what they do in, in five words or less. And from my perspective and from seeing a lot of events marketing and spending millions of pounds on, on marketing events, I know how crucial it is to make sure that you get your message across really succinctly and really clearly to people from the get-go so that people are engaged, they understand what you're asking of them within that that first ad or with that first in poster or engagement that, that, that you get. But um, one of the most successful events that Alzheimer's Society have run in, in recent years has been Trek 26. And um, I'll let Jesse talk through a bit of the, the history behind that. Thanks, Alf. This one is my baby at Alzheimer's Society. So I'm really pleased to be talking a little bit more in depth about Trek 26. As you can see, since launch in 2017, there has been an upwards trajectory um, across the years. We've increased the number of event locations. Our average fundraising has increased year on year. And Trek 26 somewhat defied the odds of the pandemic. There was continued optimism. And then 2022 hit. So as you can see from this graph, our event signups dropped drastically in 2022, sending us below pre-pandemic figures. What we did see here was that our average fundraising did still increase year on year, though, which is interesting compared to those sign-up figures. So we did know that our supporters were still highly engaged with our cause, but we realised that we clearly weren't finding or speaking to, to our audience in the right way. 
So from this, we knew that our audience were fatigued. They were behaving differently than they had done pre-pandemic, which I'm sure is no news to many people. Um, and they were behaving differently to how they had done across the product lifetime. But we'd assumed that things would kind of bounce back from where they were pre-pandemic. We did also find that we needed to go back to basics, like I said, rediscover their, mo their motivations, delve into their behaviours and find a new way to make all of this make sense around external factors. So one of the things that Media Lab did um, last year was um, we, we, we commissioned um, and were partnered with YouGov on a, a, a piece looking at the cost of living crisis, navigating the big squeeze. Um, you know, we've we've faced a considerable number of challenges in the last few years. I don't probably don't need to tell an events uh, fundraising audience that, but it was really really important for us to be able to understand more about. What, what were people engaged with? What weren't they engaged with? And 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 really kind of understanding about um, where their heads were at in terms of their, their giving. Um, you can download a copy of Navigating the Big Squeeze um, if you use the URL here, which is tinyurl.com forward slash the big squeeze hyphen 22. Um, we divided our audiences up into four distinct pots. Um, and that was off the back of asking a very simple question, which was, uh, you know, how, how were people going to make cuts to their finances over the next year? Uh, and some people were going to make significant steps. Some people were going to have make some steps. And there were people who were going to watch the economic climate, try and understand a little bit more about it. And there were people that felt really confident um, about how their finances were looking coming into the next year. Um, we combined this insight with um, Alzheimer's Society's um, audience profiles using, using um, first party data. And that helped us start to categorize these people using the uh, navigating the big squeeze um, survey. And what we found was actually, for, for the most part, a lot of people who were trekkers or potential trekkers um, were, were feeling generally not too bad about, about what was coming up. They had they'd made some steps and some of them made quite significant steps. So there was a number of people who were quite confident in there. So there was a proportion of the audience we were feeling quite good about, but we also really need to understand a bit more about their motivations. We'd had a really rough year with it all, um, and we needed to kind of go back to the drawing board and try and understand a bit more about what, what engaged the audience. One of the things that we found was that offers were really, really important to them. They're really savvy shoppers. They're you know, they're really on top of top cashback and all of those sorts of websites online. They love spending time with their friends and family. It's, it's, it's something that really matters to them. They don't get to do enough of it. So when they do, they really want to make sure they get to an event which, which where they can spend that quality time together. But also on, on, on top of that, um, you know, we have to try and make sure we're creating an event that, that is going to engage them. They love celebrities. They love all that sort of culture that sits around that. And it was combining all of these things together that allowed us to be able to shape uh, our strategy and create some really core pillars that we had to stick to when we were, we were working on the media and also the creative, which Jesse can talk through. Thanks, Alf. Um, so yeah, as I've said, to kind of overcome those internal and external barriers, we knew we needed to inspire past and present participants to see beyond this economic unrest and still sign up to Trek 26. So we devised new ways to recruit individuals, illustrating the event's brand and value in a number of different ways. So inspiring and exciting our supporters by showcasing the magic of Trek 26 and the experience that they would have alongside our offers, 
reminding them with value. So grabbing our supporters with those offers and then converting through highly efficient media. So when you're thinking about your events program, it's really important to go back to looking at your primary and secondary audience. What do they love to do and where do you find those people? Think about their desired, your desired behaviour for them and unlock their challenges, thinking about things from their perspective, but with human insight in there as well. Like what are their pain points? What's their connection with your brand and your cause? And what are your competitors doing or not doing that taps into your audience? And then when you start to find those answers, you'll be on track to identifying your core pillars to make your event stand out. There's lots of similar events out there that operate in this way that don't require offers and don't require that 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 sort of nudge to kind of engage people. But understanding this audience and really kind of getting into that insight was really important for us. Um, and that was one of the things that really kind of shone through in this. And what we did when we were building the media strategy was that we we created a few different mood boards, but we also created like a, a, a look of a, what a media day might look like. So that you can see a, a screenshot of this on the on the left hand side where it's sort of showing where people are at throughout their day, starting off with radio potentially and then sitting down with their phone at around 8 a.m. and you know, engaging with out of home TV and, and obviously working throughout the day as well. Um, on the right-hand side is a screenshot of a WhatsApp message from my my other half who um, had been receiving these ads, as she should have done as well, because she was absolutely slap bang in the middle of the target audience. Um, and initially started off at saying, leave me alone. But then about 15 minutes later said that she was seriously considering taking part in the event. And I was particularly pleased with this just because the timing on there uh, and the timelines on the left-hand side aligned perfectly, which indicated that the, the strategy was was working. Um, and we just needed to make sure that we were, we were getting um, all of that stuff right. But the media buying isn't the only part to this. You've, you've obviously got to make sure that you're putting all of the ads in front of the audience at the right time in the right place. But you've also got to make sure that you get your creative right too, which is something that uh, Jesse works very, very hard on. Yeah, so another one of our learnings, obviously, is around creative. So in the early stages, what you can see on the left-hand side of your screen here, we, well, an example of, um, we were able to sell Trek 26 by using stock images online, and we had text-heavy copy copy just like this in high footfall areas and our product didn't really have its own identity. Since then our audience has been engaging with and we're responding to a shift in creative direction. Um, this is a mixture of achievement and shared experience within the creative all with our cause at the, at the heart of this but you can probably also see my face popping up in the middle there. Um, we did have to get creative with our creative and think outside of the box a little bit. Um, so when thinking about this, it's important to know what has worked, what the trends are, and overlay those with your target demographic. Think about what you predict might work, but always test and learn. And that's something that we've really brought forward into this Trek 26 campaign, because we've been shown that audiences aren't behaving the same year on year, and we need to be adapting to that in that moment. Um, so, yeah, deliver your past top performers, get some user generated content in there, even if it means getting your own face involved um, and mix up your content marketing. But always, always adapt based on insight. So everything that we've kind of talked through up to this point um, is around adapting our strategy, listening and responding to our audience by using that insight 
And this has now meant that we're on an upwards trajectory again for Trek 26. And though there may not be that boom indicated for 2023 across the sector in events quite yet, um, we are highly optimistic that our strategy will make Trek 26 stand out as one of those top charity treks um, in the sector and relieve that fatigue going forwards. So I think kind of looking at like the, the really kind of key takeaway points and how we've managed to really get this singing again and get Trek 2026 performing exceptionally well is is really all down to researching the audience properly, um, getting the media right, making sure that the timing was, was right for the campaign and giving it a refresh. But the top piece of advice we can really give is is research your audience and and do it properly and when I say do it properly I mean really getting under the, the skin of the audience's motivations for wanting to take part in the event um it, it's you, you can't rest on your laurels even if you um if your event is is performing really really well year on year you really need to be reviewing this and understanding where people mind where people's minds are at I think the other thing is if you know you're looking at creating new events keep um, events current, um, simple and specific. You can't afford to get too attached to them. Um, uh, you know, your supporters might do, and if they do, then they'll, they'll keep doing it. But from our perspective, keep it really simple. Can you describe what your event is and what it does in five words or less and name it something sensible? Um, and then finally, um, Make sure you are delivering your event and campaign, like Alpha said, at the right time for your event, but review and refresh your campaign creative regularly. I cannot stress that enough. You have to be constantly on the ball when it comes to creative because our audience are changing so much and so fast. So look at what it is that's motivating your audience to sign up and take part and really get underneath that with your creative. I know I said finally, but there is another finally in here as well. Um, and this one's quite a big one for us. Um, I think it's really important to, that you're not afraid of acknowledging that something isn't working. If it's not working, don't be afraid to stop it and go back to basics, innovate through insight and really hone in on this fewer, bigger, better. Just to sort of round things off, um, yeah, it, thank you so much for, for um, listening. If you do want to um, download Navigating the Big Squeeze, then you can see the URLs on the on the screen there again. It's tinyurl.com forward slash the big squeeze hyphen 22. Um, and more than happy to, to take any questions. If you want to get in contact, then um, you can find um, find us on LinkedIn. Uh, and um, yeah. Feel free to drop an email. LinkedIn, whatever you need. Happy to help. Thank you so much for listening to the Fundraising Everywhere podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not share it with a fundraising friend? And if you would like to give us a little like or subscribe, it really helps more fundraisers like you find us. Thank you so much. See you next time.